Welcome to SelfDiscoveryMedia.com, where we discover the communities that are making a difference in the lives of others. Our self-discovery is something we are all making on our life's journey. Here you will find the people that will be your guidance, that will be your inspiration, that will be there for you in support on your journey of life. Do enjoy. Our next show is... Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Building Your Business right here at selfdiscoverymedia.com. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest is Terry McDougall. We've just been admiring that name and how friendly it is. She is a person that is a high achiever, and she works with uh, business owners and professionals. But you know, many people are successful but not satisfied. And the years I've been doing this, gosh, if I've seen that, I've seen that repeated over and over again. So, how do we define success? The meaning um, of success in its terms of stress, burnout, health, relationship problems—it leads to all of that. You worshipping the money and the position, forgetting what you're actually working for. Is it possible to balance that professional achievement and personal happiness in order to have true success? By shifting a mindset that is more positive, solution orientated, and by recognizing how to invest in one's time, energy to the bigger return on investment. First and foremost, folks, the investment is on yourself. Uh, she is an executive and career coach and CEO of Terry B. McDoodle Coaching. She helps high achieving professionals remove obstacles that keep, keep them from you know being stuck and so they can enjoy more of that success and satisfaction in their lives and careers. Before becoming a coach she was a long-time corporate marketing executive where she led teams, developed strategies, advised senior leaders to drive business results. She's the author of the winning game of work career, happiness, and success on your own terms. She's also a host of Marketing Mumbo Podcast, a great name. Welcome to the show, love. Oh, Sarah, thank you for having me. I'm excited for our conversation. As I said, there's so many people that I've interviewed that um, kind of got the nudge, nudge, wink, wink, and then eventually the cosmic two by four to flatten them and saying, you're working 18, 20 hours a day. Where do you have time? to enjoy your success and is really is this really the success you know or is success really what you thought it was going to be and we are always chasing that illusional or delusional picture of what success <laughs> is right and when when people so-called get that oh you've got everything but they generally lose the family the home themselves <laughs> right so it's all that it's okay we have a beautiful uh, uh doggy in the background who has an opinion there and I quite agree so, <laughs> so I think first we have to define what success is right um yes we do and you know it's different for everybody but it is important to get clear on what it is that you want from your business from your career from your life and keep that in mind as you're designing your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's very common that as we start to move towards the things that we set for ourselves as goals, that we need to continually think about how do we do this optimally. Mm. And, you know, I, I've seen it with business owners, I've seen it with corporate executives, or people that are moving up the corporate ladder, that, you know, a lot of times they, they have the talent and the intelligence and the drive to have that quote unquote, corporate or business success, but a lot of times have not ever been schooled in how to 
prioritize, how to look for those leverage points in their business so that they actually can work less, work smarter, and get a bigger output for less effort. If we managed our own lives like we manage a business, then we would be managing the time where we can enjoy the success. But we don't seem to do that. And everything, oh, I've got to pour, the business is young, I've got to pour all the time into it. Oh, we're in a growth spurt, I've got to pour all the time into it. Oh, I've got so many clients, I've got to pour all the time into it. But mm -hmm. if you don't pour that time into you, it's all going to be really a waste of time. Yes, absolutely. You know, I, I really believe that we only have so much energy as humans. And we've got to be careful about how we invest that energy. And a lot of times, if we're not paying attention to ourselves and not, we're not, you know, cordoning off a little time to rest and recharge or to do things that we enjoy, that what we'll find is that we are in a perpetual survival mode. And that's, you know, I would just want to remind everybody that's the fight or flight or freeze. I mean, at best, maybe you're just tolerating the things that you have to do. It's sort of like that, whatever, you know, yeah. I don't like it, but I, whatever. That is a very energy uh, expensive way to operate, you know, and, and in reality, you know, when we're threatened by, you know, say we're, we're th chased by a bear in the woods or something like that, the adrenaline spurts that go into our body, it's, it's there to help us outrun the bear or, you know, find a place to hide. And it, a lot of times what will happen is that people get into this perpetual survival mode at work or in their business. And they're, it's sort of like having the pedal to the metal without mm. really having their car in gear. Yes. You know, they're just wasting Pushing a lot car. of energy, right? <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of energy. And, um, you know, it's, it's important to step back and sometimes really see what's, what's going on and be much more thoughtful and intentional about how we invest our time and energy. And it's understandable why we don't, because a lot of times we feel that pressure to, oh, I've got to perform or, you know, this order needs to get out, whatever the thing is that we're telling ourselves. But if we really took a moment to plan and think, um, we probably it might take a moment longer to plan, but we're going to be more efficient when we start taking action and probably can get more done with less energy. But a lot of times we can't withstand that moment. You know, it's, it's too anxiety provoking um, yeah. to take the time. But there, there is a point. Um stress takes over and stress has no reason and it doesn't take a breath so you have to force stress to take a breath and mm -hmm. you can't have clarity or know what to do next if you're in the middle of the tornado so sometimes it's like no i'm sorry we're just shutting down we're not going to address any of this because whatever yep. decision right. we make right now is going to be destructive and yeah. i need to step away recenter refocus calm down so i can actually see what's in front of me but we don't do that as business owners or even in corporations it's like emergency foot to the pedal all hands on deck but do you know what you're doing you're just yes. reacting yes. rather than dealing with the situation yeah we're, we're really not um tapping into our full capability or you know our our full consciousness or or brain power when we do that and 
you know, physiologically, when we're under stress um, and we're when we're in that fight or flight mode, our range of vision does actually narrow, you know, and I, I like to talk about it like when you're under tremendous stress, you're looking at your world through a pinhole and you can't really see everything that's going on. You can't see all your you're focused in on it, that threat. Right. Being very hyper vigilant. Oh, there's a threat. I need to worry about that. But a lot of times if we can just calm down and take a moment, we it's really like pulling back the blinders and we yeah. start to see that there are many more options for how we can choose to behave in that moment. Um, and, you know, sometimes it means that you're going to have to step back and you may need to reprioritize things so that you build systems mm -hmm. so that you take time to train people so that they can they can you can delegate work to them that maybe you feel like oh i'm the only one that can do this right yeah um but you know that's that's a very low leverage way to operate in yeah. your um business Th that was my next word that was popping into my mind a delegation Mm -hmm. um, especially entrepreneurs, you know, um, nobody sees the vision like I do, you know, they're not going to do it the way I, I do it. And um, so obviously in any form of business, you want to put like purposed people around you, people who share that vision, but you have to understand that their instrument is just as important and maybe they're going to play it differently, mm -hmm. but it's going to be extremely beneficial. Uh, so it is, the more you're clenched, it's got to be my way, I'll have to do it myself, the worse it's going to be for you because now you're just crumbling everything as opposed to handing it off to someone else and say, look, this is the end result I want. How yeah. do we get there? That delegation. But if that's a really tricky thing, isn't it? Delegating people with something that, you know, it's your baby. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that a lot of times what happens with, um, entrepreneurs or, or leaders in, in business is that um, they maybe have done something for so long yeah. or they just are they're drawn to something and they just sort of instinctively know how to do it and so they don't delegate I mean part of it is that maybe that perfectionist thing or just a real attachment to making sure it gets done right but also part of it is that they have to take time to think about all of the steps they have to think about how do I explain to somebody else how to do this? And I, I've seen it a lot in the corporate world that somebody's a, a really high performing individual contributor and they get promoted to be a manager and they hold on to the things that they did as an individual yeah. contributor as they get promoted. But they're actually not doing their job when they do that, yeah. you know, because they're being entrusted with more resources and they're supposed to be getting as much out of the resources they've been entrusted with as possible. And if they hold on to things, that means they're not doing something at a higher level. But it also means that, you know, when when you get promoted or as your business grows as a business owner, you need to learn new skills, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're a solopreneur and then you get to a point where you have employees, you do need to, to step back and think about what's my highest value work and what are the things that somebody else could do? They might not do it as well as I do, but they actually could do it. And then it's also important to take that time to think about how do I 
pass along the knowledge? How do I communicate what my expectations are? How do I choose the right person on my team to delegate this to? And how do I train them? And then, you know, maybe it's how do I uh, do that in a way that's repeatable? Um, I think one of the big things is how do I listen? Because, you know, we're, we're hearing our own voice, we're hearing our own gears. But when you are uh, collaborating um, or building a team or in a big corporation, if you're not listening to other people, their concerns, their ideas, their skills, you're not going to, it's like a conductor not listening to the people playing the instrument. You've got somebody with a violin in the back there and, mm -hmm. ah, you know, so yeah. It, you need to know how to listen because then you can hear or see someone's strength. Ah, I hear what they're saying. This person would be really, really good in that department. Or this person would be really good as a sounding board for me. But if you're busy projecting all the time and you're not listening, you don't know how mm -hmm. to handle the wonderful gifts that are all around you in the, in the form of people. Absolutely. And I, I've seen often that when we let go of things, when we delegate, when we're clear about what the objective is, you know, not necessarily dictating all of the steps that somebody needs to take, but being very clear about what the end goal needs to look like, um, that often, once somebody gets the hang of whatever this thing is that's been delegated to them, they they probably figure out a better way to do it than maybe what you did. Right. And um, and that's what's really, really beautiful is, um, you know, just the possibilities of um, really leveraging a team and leveraging people's talents. And and there's something really beautiful, too, about giving people full ownership to mm -hmm. things instead of, you know, kind of holding on to it or delegating something that's been, you know, half done. Um, I, I actually have an analogy for that. And that is, you know, when you start on something and then and this this is a mistake that I made when I was first a manager is that when I get projects in a lot of times I'd get started on it because that's what I was used to doing as an individual contributor. And then I would realize, well, I'm a manager and I have a lot I, can't, I don't have time to finish this. So I would delegate it to somebody on my team, but it would be sort of halfway done. And I realized that that was like giving somebody a half eaten sandwich. You know, they didn't get to pick what kind it was. Yeah. It was already had a bite out of it. And maybe that, you know, they didn't want that kind. Right. So um, I, I learned to to just say, okay, I got this in. I'm going to immediately, immediately, I can't talk, immediately, immediately <laughs> delegate it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, um, you know, I, I also think that sometimes when people first um, start in management or you know, move from a solopreneur to, to having more employees that, you know, they're just not used to delegating or, you know, sometimes they might feel like, uh, you know, they're cheating if they're yeah. giving the work to somebody else. And, yes. you know, again, I, I remind a lot of people I work with is that when you move into management or leadership roles, your job is not necessarily to do your job is to make sure things get done. Right. And there's a difference. Yes. Uh, and that comes into, you know, inspiration begets invitation. When you inspire others by the vision 
of what the company stands for, by the mission of what the company stands for. You're inviting them to be a part of it, to bring part of themselves and their own vision to it. And <laughs> you, you've got to, yeah, you see, he agrees again. <laughs> the same dog, the same dog walks by. <laughs> Like That's okay. <laughs> um, you know, if dogs could talk, my goodness, how what they would have to say. Same <laughs> with cats, right? But I think this is one of the the things is um, we do what we do, whatever it is, because we want other people to benefit from it. But if we're not willing to share it, or you know, I'm a solopreneur. I don't have employees. I wear all of the hats. And believe me, there are times I wish I could delegate out to various people. I haven't yet found that in under my umbrella. But I love collaborations because mm -hmm. what you're doing is you're taking the two missions that are in harmony or in sync with each other. And you're just going to be beautifully be able to expand that. But if you're inviting people on to be part of your team, First, they must be inspired by what you're doing and you must be inspired by who they are and what mm -hmm. they can bring to the table. And then you really are building your orchestra. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, um, I agree with you very much. And I have been amazed in my career that when you, you know, approach collaboration with an open mind and with a, a recognition that there are possibilities and opportunities there that that sometimes you can be so uh delighted and amazed by the things that happen yeah. you know like even beyond your wildest imagination yes <laughs> well who says that we're meant to have it all you know yeah all right if you're an artist it's your painting generally you don't get people coming in on that painting with you that you're mm -hmm. painting that invitation right mm -hmm. but you're inviting other people to see it and what it means to them what it's mm -hmm. going to invite them to do creatively in their own lives mm -hmm. so yeah stepping into our own creation is really really important but then going back to the management skills the time management skills and then the people skills there are so many people that you know i've i've known two people that opened up coffee shops who hated people <laughs> and it's like, uh, why did you open up the oh, it's, it's, you know, it's good financial business. And mm -hmm. but if you don't like people and you're the grumpy one on the other side, who mm -hmm. wants to come back there? Because people right. don't go out just for the coffee. They go out for the ambience. Mm -hmm. Right. So don't just get into a business because you think, ah, oh, you know, ka-ching, ka-ching. Uh, it's got to be something that that suits you and that you can really immerse yourself into. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I think it's about about the purpose, you know, mm. I guess the Simon Sinek, you know, start with why. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, the why and then what you want to get out of it. And, you know, if you've got people, I want to be rich. If that's mm -hmm. your only goal, I'm sorry, you're going to fail. You may get rich, but you'll never be enriched. Yes, I think you're right about that. And um, there's so many different ways to become rich, right? I mean, so like, how do you even begin to determine what your, your, the goal is that's going to get you to that financial goal? It's just, uh, I don't know. Shouldn't uh, be a money driver, should it? Money is something that I don't yes. think so. Yeah. I mean, because I think that, I think that, you know, like what money is just a symbol. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, uh, um, you know, money, enable certain ways of being and certain experiences. But a lot of times you can have those ways of being and those experiences without having money or have it with having less money. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, 
you know, it's all to me, it's about it's about mindset. And it's also about, you know, sort of like how you resonate. And I think that that's kind of what you were saying earlier about the coffee shop owner, you know, that that, um, you know, we're attracted to people that, you know, sort of resonate at a higher energy level that are that that want to connect with people or who, you know, are very opportunity focused or connection focused. And um, versus somebody who's, you know, like in this like win lose type situation, yeah. like, oh, I want to do this because I'm going to get all their money, right? That's a yeah. win lose kind of situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not very attractive. It's actually um, kind of repulsive. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, my son has his own restaurant. Before that, he was a, a flipper of properties and he made really good money. Mm -hmm. But he's, mm -hmm. you know, he's been a foodie from the moment he came out. You know, he, he loves mm -hmm. good food and he was cooking from very young. Um, so he's opened up this restaurant and of course, obviously COVID and everything else, it's constant struggle, right? So, mm -hmm. but he's, he's become innovative and creative and you remember the, the show Cheers where everybody knows your name? Of course. Well, that's yeah. his restaurant. He has got locals that go in there. They only dine there and mm -hmm. whether they're just picking up because they can't eat inside or they can eat outside or whatever the case mm -hmm. is, um, he's having record breaking days because he's learned to pivot okay people can't sit inside let's offer them special takeouts at special prices full meals mm -hmm. and this and that mm -hmm. and that's what you've got to do in your business yes you have this plan but M mr interruptus comes along and if you can't learn to pivot and and uh, adjust your sales you're going to sail right into a storm yes yes i i um part of the reason why I started my podcast was because my book came out a year ago, right after the COVID shutdown. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the in-person marketing activities that I had planned were obviously shelved. Mm -hmm. And so I started um, getting uh, podcast guest appearances and enjoyed it so much and loved it so much. And, and so much of what you're talking about in terms of just you know, coming together with people that, you know, or have sort of, you, you know, you connect with on sort the of same an, wavelength. Yeah, yes. on the same wavelength, you're resonating. Mm. Um, I, I loved it so much that I thought, oh, my gosh, I like I love this. And why don't I start one focused on things that I'm passionate about, so I can talk to the types of people that I love to talk to. So, um, you know, sometimes, as they say, when life gives you lemons, mm -hmm. you know, you can make lemonade if you want to. Or if you, you can want complain. To. Or you can complain. And of course, <laughs> yeah. you have the people that complain. And, and yes, there are certain businesses that are so reliant on people coming in mm, that they can't yeah. do things virtually and sure. you know, can't do takeout because they're a massage therapist or this or that. And mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and they're like the village. We need to support those that are in that stifalization right now. But I've known, again, quite a few people who have put their whole business on halt because it was a, literally a hands-on type business mm -hmm. and have gone and done something else in the meantime. Sure. Right? Yep. And, and it's okay to do that. Just think about it. The experience, A, you're getting bread on the table. So, you, you know, you're not worrying about, you know, your roof over your head and your food in your stomach, but the experience that you're going to get from that, uh, you know, from that other job or whatever it is from pivoting is just mm -hmm. going to carry back into your business when you open up again. Uh, so, yes. It's again the attitude, isn't it, at how we look at something? Is it doomsday or, <laughs> or is it something, okay, all right, you know, what do I need to learn here? How, do I need to just go in a totally different direction? Because this sure. is the time to re really have a good look at that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to, um, I mean, it's, it's difficult when we're faced with adversity or disappointment. And I think it's very natural for us to want to try to avoid it or to mm -hmm. get angry about it or begrudgingly accept it and just kind of sit in our misery. <laughs> you know, like it's just a human experience to do that. But we can choose how long we stay there. Right. Like, yes, it's natural, you know, when you've gotten a, a big disappointment to or, you know, like a death or illness or something like that. Of course, we need to to, you know, maybe take care of ourselves and retreat and and heal and get our strength back. But, you know, we, we need to come out of that as as soon as possible. And a lot of times it's we're not really harmed it's just more of a mindset thing yeah. and if we can recognize that and you know quickly you know shift to like well this is bad but maybe it's worse for other people how yeah. can i help them yeah or you know this i don't like this but maybe there's an opportunity here what like what would happen if i sort of like flip the switch what would this look like if i was looking at it through an opportunity lens um and and when we can do that you know, we have more control over the situation. Uh, we don't have to be the victim. You know, we, we can all take that moment and have a pity party for ourselves. Sure. That's okay. It's absolutely. part of kind of grieving a loss of some kind. Yes, right? absolutely. And we do need to do that because that's your own self-love and self-care. Just, yeah, you know, don't, yeah, exactly. don't, you know, become your own walking stick. You know, it's, um, uh, we've all got challenges in life and this last year has certainly oh pushed people in challenges which yeah. we're still in and we're still going to be a while before we come out of it completely but it what an invitation it has been for us to really have a look at our lives and go all right what is success to me you know i i'm at home gosh my kids are grown i never knew they were that tall because i never saw them yeah know? yeah and oh i find i've got this hobby i like to do and I, and it calms me down or it rejuvenates me and i never had time to do that before mm -hmm. so there is always a gift in something even if it's in tragedy there's always a gift in something I and it's agree. just a question of how we look at it now you came from a marketing world before, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, once a marketer, always a marketer, because it's the right? <laughs> so true. Um, and that comes again into that, that pivoting, you know, if you have to pivot in your business, marketing is still uh, really essential, but we've totally changed how we do marketing now, haven't we? Yes. And I mean, for somebody who graduated from college in the 1980s, pre-internet, you know, the, <laughs> yes. I've, I've seen a, a very big change in the marketing world. Um, you know, one of my early jobs was um, print production management for direct mail, <laughs> you know, and that was, that was, we did a lot of direct mail back then. And obviously a lot of things have gone online. Mm -hmm. I mean, it pretty much everything has gone online and, and um, you know, there are new platforms and new tools that are changing all the time. Um, you know, but I, I think with marketing, the most important thing is really to um, step back and think about what action do you want your target audience to take and design a strategy around that before yeah. you start thinking about, should I do Facebook ads or should I do, yes. yeah. you know, email marketing? Um, yeah, and because there's a lot of just like any any journey that you go on, there's a lot of different paths that you can take. But you really, the first thing you have to do is figure out what's your destination. Yeah. Now, what's what's the goal? 
when I ask people for their information, the bio and, and three social medias, because I have literally had people send me 20. And, it, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. I look at it and go, how the hell can you manage this? You can't. Mm -hmm. And it's like, pick the ones that are going to serve your audience. Yeah. And, and the other important thing is with marketing nowadays online is the interaction. It isn't just about yeah. blah, blah, in your face, I've got. It's developing relationships. It's uh, speaking to what people's needs are and, and forming that following. Because if they like you, they will support you. But if you won't give them the time of day, mm -hmm. you're just throwing something in their face, they're going to be offended by you. So, yeah. Yes. And of course, yep, now it's going right. to WhatsApp and, you know, your messenger sign up, you'll send business through here. No, no. You know, I, I draw the line of where I do business. And I think that's something we have to do in our lives. We have to, okay, it's, it's five o'clock, computer switched off, end of day. I'm not going to do the business on my phone now. You know, whether yeah. I have family at home or whether it's my time, I've got to be strict with my hours and fill those other hours in my day with something I really love doing. Yes, I, you're, you're touching on um, a topic that I work with people a lot on and that's boundaries. Yeah. You know, and it, and it does go back to, you know, if you think about what kind of life you want. And when I say life, I, I'm also including business career, however you make your living. Um, because that is part of life, you know, so we, we hear people talk about work-life balance and it's like, well, by the way, like when you're working, you're living too. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but I think that it is important to think about like, okay, well, what kind of life do I want to live and what boundaries do I need to put in place? Um, one of the things that I've seen a lot during the pandemic is that with people working from home, that they have a very difficult time drawing that boundary between work and home. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've talked with people who, you know, their dining room table is their office and it doesn't matter if it's Sunday morning at, you know, 6 a.m. or, you know, Wednesday night at 10.30 p.m. They're walking by and they see their computer and they feel a compulsion to stop and check email. Yes. And, you know, that's not fair to yourself because, right. you know, you're only getting paid for a certain amount of hours, um, even if you're on salary. Um, but also it sets a it sets a poor precedent, you mm -hmm. know, I, and believe me, I've seen it in, in the corporate world where, you know, maybe I would be out at an, an event or, you know, on a business trip or something where I was with colleagues at a late hour and um and maybe we, we were curious about something and they'd say, oh, well, text this person because they answer at any time. Right. You know, so it might be 1030 at night and we're texting and they get back immediately, Johnny on the spot. And uh, I, I never would do that. <laughs> no, because, um, you know, as you said, the boundaries, you've got to draw the line. You have to comp compartmentalize. That's another word I can't have ever difficulty <laughs> with. Um, I love my work. My work very much is me. Right. But then there's mm -hmm. all the uh, this is the pleasure part, as you know, with a podcast, the all the editing side of it mm -hmm. is is the work side of it. Yeah. And uh, don't take on more, which says me. I normally do four shows a week. I've been doing eight shows a week lately. So, you know, OK, I need to start saying no. Um, but it's draw the line. And OK, now what am I going to do to water my own plant? To, to rejuvenate myself because there's other things I could be doing and if it's just going for a walk or reading a book or watching TV, um, you know, reaching out to some loved ones. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'm sorry, I've got to go. I've got an appointment. No, nobody wants to hear that. 
right right everybody wants to hear it put your yeah. one thing in it and now it's time to share with other people and don't be looking at well i can fit you in five minutes nobody wants to be fitted in for five minutes no not at all and and also that you know this recharges your batteries mm -hmm. when when um you take the time to do things that you just enjoy you know just living and playing and being creative and connecting with people that that recharges us you know, so that when Monday morning comes and it's time to get up and go to work, that we have the energy to invest in our work and that we're not, you know, we don't get up and we're just a dried husk <laughs> <laughs> dragging ourselves out with gallons of coffee. Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you've called your book, you know, Winning the, the, um, the Game of Work. And, yeah. you know, that is that kind of, that balance thing that we've been talking about. But life is a game isn't it you know it's meant it to is. be played yeah. you know mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're meant to play others that's a different type of play mm -hmm. but you meant it's meant to be played you're meant to have fun with what you're doing mm -hmm. if you said to someone well you're going to work eight nine ten hours a day for this amount of money for five to six days a week but you're not going to enjoy it but the money is good would you do it well i wouldn't and i i will tell you that i feel like I was so blessed to, when I was 22 years old and I got out of college, my boyfriend's, my boyfriend at the time, his mother gave me a book called What Colors Your Parachute? Mm -hmm. And she had done some career counseling and she said, do not apply for any jobs or interview for any jobs until you have read this whole book and done all of the exercises. And I thought, I, I was just ready to hit the ground running. Yeah. I got my college di diploma and I wanted to get a job and start making money. And I'm so thankful that she gave me that advice and sort of forced me yes. uh, to do it because it made me realize that when we can work at something that we're good at mm -hmm. and that we like to do, that it makes work much more enjoyable. And it's something that we can work at for a long time. And I'm, I am so grateful to her for, for suggesting that to me because it, it set me on the road to marketing. I was not, I was an economics major in college. I wasn't a marketing major and I didn't even really understand what marketing was. Right. Um, but once I did the, you know, all the exercises and I did the evaluations and research and all that kind of stuff, I realized that uh, actually my first job was in publishing, um, but I was in the ad sales department and it got me on the road to marketing. And um, that was a really good fit for me. It fit naturally with what I was good at, I'm creative, good with words, good with colors and symbols and, um, and all of that. And, you know, who knows if I had gotten my first job, like my sister actually, unfortunately for her, got her first job in an accounting firm and uh, she hated it <laughs> and quit after six months and uh, and then waited on tables for 10 years. So you never know. No, you don't. <laughs> you get off on the wrong foot. It might not be a good thing. Oh, you don't get off on the foot at all. You know, I'm, I'm always referring to this book. Who Moved Oh, Like yeah, Me. I love that book. And, yep. you know, the, the, um, but I also feel that our personality traits are going to be ones that will decide whether we are going to get into gear and sniff out and scurry new opportunities or whether we're going to be the hem and how where he's like, oh, wait until my stomach's rumbling before I realize there isn't any cheese anymore or hem, mm -hmm. which just wants to sue someone to give them back their cheese. So, mm -hmm. you know, if we can identify 
who we are. I'm, you know, I'm an advocate. I'm a screaming blue person, so very kinesthetic. And mm -hmm. if we understand who we are, we understand what our abilities are and what we can bring to the table, but also what we need that stimulates us. So yes. these little self-discoveries of, of um, yeah, that sounds like a wonderful job. You know, oh, fantastic. It takes me around the world. There's only one problem. I hate flying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, know who you are and how yeah. you are perceived by other people, by what you project. But it will also steer you in the right way as to what to do with your life. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I say quite often to people that I'm working with that it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle. Mm -hmm. um, because we we walk around as ourselves we just do the things that we do and it's very hard for us to step back it's almost impossible for us to step back and see ourselves the way that other people see us and you know some of the mistakes that I've made especially earlier in my career was to make an assumption that other people saw me the way that I saw myself Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wanted to be a leader and I wanted to move up and I thought other people could see that in me. And I realized that I wasn't showing up in a way where people recognized that about me. And, um, you know, I think that when we can do that introspection or maybe get input from other people about how they perceive us, that it makes us uh, more effective at talking about who we are, what we're good at, how we add value. And it, you know, it helps us to connect with people and also for people to understand like, you know, where, where or how can I interact with this person to create value or, you know, to do something interesting. Mm. Well, it, you know, it's your, it's your conductor and how to move forward in life. But, um, we have to accept that, you know, we see this in our children and I've seen this over and over again, that people have a passion at childhood and they have these abilities, but then they you know, go and get a real job, have a real career, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. go and get the career, work like a dog, get married, 2.2 children, the picket fence, the mm -hmm. whole name of thing, and then realize that they're not enjoying what they're doing. Yeah. You know? And that what they used to do as a child is really where that passion is. Mm -hmm. And it's never too late to ignite that again, because now you've got skills and know-how, how to actually manifest that into something yeah. that you love to do. But don't get stuck on the fence and go, oh yeah, well, that was yesterday, I've missed that boat. No, there's always other boats oh, no, coming along. <laughs> absolutely, and you can build your own boat. Too. Yeah, exactly. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I actually, a lot of times, I mean, that what you described is such a common situation. And I, I had a client um, a couple years ago who, you know, went to college, who's a very good student, and he didn't know what he wanted to major in. And his dad said, oh, well, you know, accountants make good money. Why don't you major in accounting? So he did. Um, and he got a job at one of the big four accounting firms, and he was doing fine moving up. But only problem was he hated it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you. and what happens with a lot of those, I think it happens in law, it happens in accounting, that whatever the firm has, when you get hired, if they've got a lot of that work, that's going to become your specialty. Yeah. Um, and he um, hired me because he really wanted to make a pivot and do something more creative. He actually had a, um, a game of the month club that was his side hustle, which I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like so cool that you're so creative. He he loved games. And, and so he set up this uh, company with a friend and um, 
was was really at a loss of like how do I pivot to do something different that honors my creativity and uh, he just started having conversations like with some encouragement from me I said you need need to get out there and start talking to people because you know you probably don't want to quit accounting because he was a father of a young child and just bought a house and all of that but it ended up just through conversations that he found a job with a a regional I mean he actually met somebody just for coffee and talked to him about what he liked to do and his background and so forth and um, he got hired by this regional accounting firm that didn't even have a job opening but they recognized that he was a, a guy that could mentor the younger accountants, that could bring his specialty into the firm and start up a new practice, could be sort of middle management because they didn't have a lot of, you know, 30 something year olds there. And, you know, I, I think that the lesson there is, I think twofold, is that, you know, check in with yourself mm-hmm. at the times when you're making these critical decisions and have confidence to to realize that you know bottom line you can make money doing anything yeah you know and um it's important to be happy and you will live within you know hopefully you'll live within the money that you make too you know if you're a musician you can probably make a living wage being a musician you may you might turn out to be a big rock star or something like that but if not you could still be a working musician who makes a living yeah. And you're probably going to love it if that's your passion right. versus saying, hey, dad said to go to, uh, you know, get an accounting degree because you can make a good living doing that. Right. And well, yeah, it's the the old paradigm. You know, you've got to be a lawyer or a doctor. You know, those are the esteemed things. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and of course, the almost two professions that are hated now. You know, being, um, they are. Yeah, they so, are. I, yeah. I know a coach who. Um, who works with women that want to get out of law and mm. what I, what I've actually heard a lot and I don't want to malign any lawyers cause I know that there's a lot of people that love it, but um, that a lot of people are good at law school and they love law school and then they get into the practice of law yeah. and they don't like it. No, because um, you know what we, everything you do is you think you're going to make a difference. There's the, the illusion of what you, mm-hmm. you think you're going to do. And then there's right. the reality of what really is going on. And, when you look at so many of these things, you know, some corporations, some laws, uh, police department, we're looking at a sewage pit that hasn't been drained. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so you're going in there thinking you're just going to come along with your Mr. Clean and you're going to set it all right. And you realize you don't have a bucket big enough. And uh, and it it can get very, very despairing. And I think a lot of people then slump into into depression because they think they failed. I know it's Mm -hmm. that how did you think you would succeed? It's going to take Mm -hmm. more than one of you to go in there. You need an entire team that's got each other's back to go in and all of you together forcibly change things. So we have to understand if we want to make changes, it literally is one kind of toenail at a time. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, um, that's, it's reminded me of like why I wrote my book and why I named my book what I did, um, you know, the winning the game of work, because a lot of people go into work 
very naively, mm-hmm. you know, and much like what you said, like, oh, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to come into this giant corporation or this government or whatever it is and make a difference. And you absolutely can make a difference, but you're not going to boil the ocean. Right. And you also, I, you know, uh, used to tell people on my marketing team that, you know, working in marketing is not always easy um, because you're beholden to a lot of people within the organization and there's everybody thinks that they're a marketer, you know, and, and everybody has an opinion about the things that, you know, many people have studied and are experts on, but everybody's like, oh, I don't like that color or that headline stupid or whatever. <laughs> and, um, you know, I would tell my team, like, you've got to play a good game of offense, which means you're going to be good at what you do, but you also have to sort of protect yourself. You yes. have to play a good game of defense. You have to understand the the uh, context that you're operating in. You have to keep an eye on everything that's going on around you and, you know, be be selective about, you know, when do you bring up a certain thing or how do you interact with certain people in the organization? Um, you know, one of the other things about looking at work as a game, it's it's sort of like poker. You know, you hear about, I mean, poker, in some, it's a game of chance. It's a game of skill, um, both with, you know, I suppose the odds of what cards you have and what are the odds you're going to get other cards that you need. But also, you know, understanding who you're playing against yeah. and what their tendencies are. You know, and sometimes I've seen people, you know, put themselves in very precarious situations because they're not paying attention. They're saying, well, this person should act like this. Why are they being so, you know, harsh or so mean? And I I always think, well, step back and understand who it is that you're playing with. Right. And then you decide what you do accordingly, you know, because in many ways it's sort of like, you're going to run out and play American football without the pads on. And, you know, if you're the 150 pound kicker, you're going to run out in front of a, you know, 300 pound tackle, you know, it just doesn't, right. (laughs) You know, you're not going to win in that uh, interaction. (laughs) Right. Um, So you have to be cautious about that and be thoughtful. Yeah. I think if we could look at life as a game, you know, and that like any game, yes, you want to win, but it's what do you learn? on you know on the game of life as you go mm-hmm. and you know be exploratory you know be intuitive uh be mindful be heartful be thoughtful all of these things should be going with you in that game because mm-hmm. as you said if you know your opponent or um you've allowed that little voice to speak to you allow your senses to speak to you uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, don't make that move oh no make this move over here this feels right yeah and tap into those beautiful feelings it will navigate you very well through the game of life and that this doesn't mean to say that you're not going to land on your ass sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And, but then it's like the getting back up. Okay, you all learn. right, wrong move. Yep, not going to do that mm-hmm. one again. So. You learn. And I, I've, I've seen a lot of people that will, um, you know, they'll lament the fact that they're losing the game, but they almost uh, refuse to look at it as a yeah. game. Yeah. And, and I, you know, and they, and they're frustrated and I'm like, well, step back and, and see what's going on here and then choose what action you take. Right. Because it is a game, Yes. <laughs> you know, it, whether it's fair, whether it should be or not is beyond, you know, argument, you know, it, it just is and learn how to play it. And there's so many winning goals along the way. Don't look at it as, you know, the, 
the uh, ultimate win and then now you crest in your laurels you won yeah. that round yeah right? you won that yes. round now there's more rounds to go and sometimes yes. you're going to lose but you you know, uh, you're not going to win let's put it this sometimes you're not going to win but you will never lose if you have mm-hmm. learned along the way uh, it isn't about our destination and uh, and then hallelujah it's uh, it is about well now there's a new game in town that you've got to adjust for yeah. isn't it exciting yes absolutely i i really believe that you never lose as long as you keep playing yeah um you know that um i've heard that fail uh is an acronym for first attempt and learning yeah. right so it, it we might fall on our face but we just have to keep up keep getting up and and going forward um there's actually this other saying that I want to share, which is, you know, even when you fall on your face, at least you're moving forward. <laughs> yes, exactly. I've done that a few times. <laughs> literally. <Me too. laughs> That's the whole thing about life, though, that life is meant to be in flow. If a business, you know, rests on its laurels and isn't upgrading or isn't pivoting mm-hmm. to the new demands or the new changes, they're going to become obsolete. We know yes. in our energy sector, you know, coal and fossil fuel is going to go. It doesn't yes. matter how much they're trying to hold on to it, um, you know, for the planet, for ourselves, the change is already in momentum. And right. so rather like, you know, Herman, who moved my cheese, stop fighting the inevitable and look at how you can go with the flow to the new mm-hmm. without losing yourself. What can you adopt from it? What can you adapt to it? What can you bring to it to stabilize it? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean your way is, you know, oh, yeah, you put you out to pasture now. No, you're going to have to learn some new skills. But your yes. old principles and skills and management is still extremely beneficial to the new. It's just a mm-hmm. new a new application of the game. And so you've got to be willing to to grow from something and change. Do not rest on your laurels because that's yes. Yes. death. Everything's changing around us. And so we can either, like you said, get in the flow and, and go with that change, or we can sort of, you know, try to hold on to that branch on the side of a river and have her arm ripped off as, you know, <laughs> the momentous pulls us down, you know, cause it is going to change and things do change. And as you were talking, I was just thinking about, you know, things, things in my lifetime, uh, businesses in my lifetime that went from being, you know, category leaders, um, you know, the, the exemplars to being obsolete or bankrupt. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Sears. You know, when I was a yes. kid, my parents at, shopped at the Sears department store for pretty much everything. And they were um, around for over 100 years. What astonished yeah. me is that they already had a catalog. And I don't understand why that catalog didn't go online and all right, close the mm-hmm. shops, but still have the online business. And sure. They, sure. They, they just yeah. disappeared. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, you've probably heard about uh, Kodak, the film company, uh, was an early leader in digital uh, photography, but they, they hit it, they did not want to kill their cash cow, which was film. Yeah. And so they were, they were surpassed by other companies. And I guess when they got into it, it was already too late for them to, you know, come into a leadership um, position in the marketplace. And, you know, we just have to have to realize that sometimes we've just got to recognize things are changing and we we may have to like sacrifice short term to stay relevant longer term. Yeah. And in whatever, whatever you get into, it's going to require X, Y, Z amount of energy. 
you know, intellect, intuition, um, abilities, and you know, how much are you willing to give? And when it does come to the changes, are you capable of those changes? Or is that the time to bring in the young blood mm -hmm. that can see that kind of future and they will make the mm -hmm. changes with, with your guidance? Okay, now we're not going to put a hole in the ship for you to insert this and that. We can do this in a different way. But yes, we need to in interject the satellite dish, you know, on the mm -hmm. boat. So yeah. you know, that's the time to tap into the young people and bring them into the fold because they will keep you relevant. They will keep you alive instead of mm -hmm. holding on for dear life you know it's uh -uh. anything that you've got in your fist the clutch can just come right out so yep. yeah yeah hire the young ones especially when it comes to anything internet or digital based right yeah absolutely and you know i think the the thing to recognize too is that you know we as older people have wisdom that we can share with the with the younger people too and um you know, I, I think it's very easy to think that everything that we've learned is obsolete. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and that's not the case. I mean, we have a lot of wisdom and um, experience that we can share and we can learn from younger people too. You know, yeah. it's not, um, and you know, even, even the internet, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you know, my kids have, one of my sons uh, learned how to play the piano by going on YouTube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's there's amazing, amazing things that you can learn. Um, and, and I, I also think um, sometimes for more experienced people that it can be difficult to go back and have that, you know, learner's mind, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's hard not to be a master of something if, yeah. if you've gotten to a point where you're, you're very um, adept at most things that you do. It's hard to go back and learn, yeah. you know, but sometimes it's okay to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this as best I can. And I'm not, I'm going to realize it's not going to be perfect right off the bat. And maybe I'll just try to iterate it or I'll get to, I'll learn enough to hire somebody to do this for me. Um, but there's, there's so many different approaches that we can take to stay relevant and keep learning. You know, I've known quite a few business people who you know, say, I, I, I build it to make myself obsolete. So they, mm -hmm. they build their business, they mm -hmm. put everything into it, and now they become obsolete because they can have other people running it for them. Mm -hmm. Sure. And, you know, that's, that's the best. Yeah, exactly. Because now you're reaping the benefits. <laughs> yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You just exactly. kind of now and again being the conductor, making sure nobody goes too far afield, that they're steady sure. on. Um, but again, we've got to be willing to to adjust, to go with the flow. Um, to um, let go of old ideas because that idea that you had two, three years ago is already either obsolete or somebody else is already mm -hmm. doing it. So, you know, what idea do you have right now that's current that you can act on? Mm -hmm. So yeah. don't delay something, right? Get on with it because your next thing you know, somebody else is doing it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, you know, you hear in, in Silicon Valley, it's all about fail fast. Yes. Right? Fail fast, <laughs> learn, optimize and, and keep moving. Right, exactly. So how do people find your book and what are you offering people in the form of services, love? Well, um, my book is on Amazon worldwide and it's called Winning the Game of Work, Career, Happiness and Success on Your Own Terms. It's uh, both an ebook and a paperback. Um, in terms of services, I um, offer 
one-on-one -on -one coaching. I am currently working on some workshops that I'll be launching later this summer. I'm also going to be doing some free workshops. Um, so if you'd like to follow me on LinkedIn, my handle is Terry B. McDougall, and I will be publicizing everything that I'm doing out there. And if you'd like to check out my website, it is terrybmcdougall.com. I'm just going to spell that for people. For those that are listening, it's Terry, T-E-R-R-Y-B-M-C-D-O-U-G-A-L-L.com. And you, you can find her on LinkedIn under that name, Facebook under that name. And then she's got the, the um, Game of Work book here. And, uh, and the book is on Amazon, Winning the Game of Work. So uh, everything is there, ready for you to reach out, have a conversation, see if there's a fit. Uh, because it is about whenever you are in business, you, you can't serve everybody. That's, you know, because you've got to serve people that there is a common wavelength. So what you're saying, they're receiving and you're hearing what they're asking. And if you don't have that, you know, it doesn't matter that you need a sale, you know, that mm -hmm. you can't serve them. So that synergy of really connecting and, you know, that vibe really connecting is really, really important if you really want to serve somebody the best way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Sarah, if you don't mind, I'd um, like to also just give the location of my podcast, which is yes. marketingmambo.net. And um, I talk to all different kinds of very interesting people in and around the field of marketing. And um, I've had some incredibly smart people that talk about how to be more effective in marketing, how marketing and sales can work together better. Um, the intersection between design thinking and marketing. Um, I just talk to really fascinating people. So if you do any marketing, if you're interested in marketing, you may be interested in this. Or if you just like to hear really smart, interesting people from around the world, um, check it out. It, the beauty of podcasting is that we are sharing other people's experiences. And those experiences are, have been their life lessons. And that makes them the best teacher possible now. It's the reason why I do the podcast, advocating for the people who are making a difference in the lives of others. We learn best from those that have taken the, the journey before us because they mm -hmm. understand. They understand and yeah. they know what it is you need and what you don't need. And they know how to help you, you know, pivot forward. So um, we've got to be adjustable. We have to be open uh, to change. And we've also got to be open to, to listen what somebody else can see for us, because sometimes we can't see it for ourselves. And so it's really, really important. And um, I, yeah, I'm definitely going to look at your podcast. If you ever need some cool people in that business, I've interviewed them too, happy to share. Um, oh, yeah, I would love that. Um, I, I would love that. <laughs> um, it, there are people out there doing wonderful things, folks, and it's just a click away. So whether you contact her through her website, whether you contact her, you know, listen to the, uh, the podcast, whether you read her book, understand she's here to help you in your business, whether you're a corporate, whether you're a solopreneur, whether you're a small business, we all need help. Please don't try and do it all on your own. I promise you, my neck hurts from all the hats that I'm wearing. So it's, <laughs> it is good to have somebody that can show you how to navigate, how to delegate and how to just find the time to enjoy your own life as well because we want you to have satisfaction so yes. thanks thanks so much terry thank you sarah i really enjoyed it until next time folks bye for now 
We hope that you enjoyed the show. You will hear many, many shows here at selfdiscoverymedia.com. We have new shows for you out every week. Just find them on our podcast or, or what's new. If you feel that you have something to share that makes a difference in the lives of others, or you too feel that you could be a host, please contact me at info at selfdiscoverymedia.com and we will be glad to speak with you. Have a wonderful day.